Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Harris Cherokee Resort. Find us online at caesars.com slash Harris Cherokee. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Let me just say this very briefly. I do have a warning coming up in a couple of minutes' time regarding our Dog Nation invasion to Charlotte. Uh, Coming up on September 4th of the great season opener against Clemson, last chance type stuff to get involved in all of that. For those of you in the waiting list, stay where you are. I'll tell you more details about that coming up in just a moment. Before that... Let me begin the show by saying that yesterday I discovered some information that I was not previously aware of, and I think this matters for Georgia for the upcoming season. Now, I'm going to be a little, I guess, stat-bent here for the next couple of minutes, but hopefully, being a professional communicator, I can explain all of this in a very clear, easy-to-follow way. There is a guy named Bill Conley for ESPN.com, and one of the things that Bill Conley does that I find to be very interesting is and it's kind of a new-school approach to thinking about college football. At one point in time, you can eat, for those of you who followed college football news, especially preseason chatter for a number of years, if you think about this, you'll probably think, yeah, I guess that is true. Think about how years ago it was very common to hear folks talk about returning starters. How many returning starters does blah, blah, blah have? And how many returning starters does this team have? That that was a very common part of preseason college football chatter. But in modern times, you hear less of that than you used to. And the reason why you hear less of that than you used to ought to be obvious if you really think about it. For instance, at a school like George, and a lot of schools are like this, what does it really mean to be a returning starter at wide receiver, given the fact that position rotates as much as it does? What does it mean to be a returning starter at running back, given the fact that schools, once again, like Georgia, give so many different running backs, so many carries, have done so for a number of years? The entire designation of starter, in some respects, doesn't tell the full story of what's going on in the field. The same thing is true on defense, where Georgia will play, what, you know, 30 or 40, you know, 30 plus guys, a significant number of snaps there may be a guy on the field for the very first snap of the game a lot of that is so situation specific that once again the definition of a starter doesn't quite matter as much as it once did so the whole idea of how many returning starters does this team have that team have if you really look around the media sphere you just see less of that than you used to so there is a better way now to measure what a team brings back from one year to the next and a guy like Bill Conley, who writes now for ESPN, is one of the guys who's probably made this more famous, the idea of measuring returning production. Looking at the percentage of stats produced from a year ago on offense, that means passing yards and receiving yards and rushing yards. On defense, that means obviously passes broken up and sacks and tackles for loss and all the things that matters there. And looking at the percentage of that. And what Conley does, because he's a little bit of a math guy, and this is where it becomes a little confusing for people like me to follow, but it probably leads to more accurate analysis across the board is he gives certain weight to certain things as more important than others for instance on the defensive side of the ball you know what you do when your secondary Conley has determined on the basis of you know the preponderance of evidence over the years that matters a little bit more than the returning production percentage of stats for say like linebackers defensive line whatever else you can kind of uh squabble that if you want to but that's the formula that Conley's created it's the same thing on the offensive side where he kind of weights receiving yards more important than like say rushing yards as a for instance and using these weights and using these metrics he's able to determine kind of who brings back the most for the upcoming year are you with me so far all right so this is something that I learned yesterday that I was actually a bit surprised to learn 
I have kind of been operating on the assumption here during this offseason that George was actually in pretty good shape in terms of what it brings back from the previous year. You know, frankly, there have been a lot of years, especially like, say, 2019, for instance, going into that season, where you looked around the Georgia receiving situation and you were left to say, wow, Georgia doesn't really bring back anything from its receiving core. So many of those guys from the 2018 team had left. That lack of experience seemed like a glaring problem for Georgia during the preseason, and that's what turned out to actually be true. That was a big issue on the field. And I've been kind of operating on the assumption so far this offseason that, hey, Georgia's in much better shape than it has been in some of the you know past years in terms of what it brings back for this upcoming season. But I think my thought process on that was actually skewed, and I want to explain why. While it is true that Georgia, from a, once again, percentage of returning stats standpoint, brings back more than what the typical team has brought back in recent years, in comparison to this upcoming year, 2021, which is largely impacted by the weirdness of 2020 and the pandemic and guys who decided to come back for a super senior year, all kinds of weirdness that accompanied the year of 2020, all of a sudden Georgia's returning production for a year like this does not cause it to stand out from the rest of its competition quite so much. In fact, let me give you a couple of stats that back this up and then we're going to give a happy ending to the story. So Georgia returns 65% of its uh, production from a year ago, according to BillKindlyESPN.com. As I said before, that would put Georgia ahead of the national average 2014 through 2020, when the average team over the course of those years, once again, according to Conley, returned 62.6% of its offensive and defensive production from the previous year. But this year, because of the weirdness, guys coming back, extra years of eligibility, things like that. Do you know that according to Bill Conley from ESPN, the average college football team for this upcoming season returns 76.7% of its production from a year ago? Once again, both offensive and defensive stats. In fact, the impact that has on Georgia, that Georgia's 65% of returning production actually only ranks Georgia 110th in the country for the upcoming season in terms of returning production from the previous year. Now, in most cases, that would kind of be a problem, right? In most cases, being less experienced than other teams in the country would kind of put you seemingly, it just seems like common knowledge, right? That would put you at a disadvantage in comparison to the very best teams in the country. However, this may be a little bit of a weird year because if you look at the very top of the list, once again, according to Bill Conley, of who brings back what for this upcoming year, the teams at the top of this list actually aren't very good. It's Toledo, Wyoming, Louisiana, Arizona State, Florida Atlantic, Nevada. You have to get down to seven to even find a Power 5 team. That's UCLA. And you have to even go much, much farther than that to find a team that's even expected to be in the top 25 for the upcoming season. So Georgia, way down there at 110th, is actually in fairly close proximity to the other teams that it's competing with, college football playoff births with. For instance, you know, Clemson's below 100 on this list. They're at 104. Georgia at 110 is actually ahead of Alabama, who's at 123rd. Ohio State's at 125. So the synopsis, kind of the quick summary of all of this is, is that most of the teams who are on the shortest of short lists for making the college football playoff this year all have one thing in common. They find themselves in need of replacing a lot for the upcoming season. So what do you do with all that? What does all this mean for Georgia? That for Georgia this upcoming season, the issue that will determine 
Does Georgia outpace Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson and make the college football playoff? The issue that's going to determine this is, for guys who will be in a bigger role this year than they were a year ago, can those players step up? It's probably more important than it's ever been before for Georgia to have big-time players step up in a big-time opportunity. Now, it just so happens that Pro Football Focus recently, one of their writers, Anthony uh, Treesh, was looking at the five players in the SEC that he thought were most poised for breakout seasons. He mentions three names outside of Georgia, Kayshawn Boutte, the uh, wide receiver from LSU, uh, Devin Akane, the uh, running back from Texas A&M, Jaheel Billingsley, the uh, tight end from Alabama, but on the list, Anthony Trees from Pro Football Focus, two of the of the five candidates that he mentions for breakout seasons in the SEC are Georgia Bulldogs. Adam Anderson as an edge rusher, Darnell Washington as a tight end. So let's zero in on both those names here for a moment because I think we would all agree that now we mentioned longer list of, of guys who could potentially have big-time breakout seasons for Georgia, but almost any time we talk about this, the other folks here on Dog Nation, when they mention those kinds of things, those are the kinds of names that show up almost every time a discussion like this is had. Darnell Washington tight end, Adam Anderson as a uh, potential pass rusher. And the point of the topic here today to start this show is to say that if you really want to see Georgia at its best this season, that if you really want to see Georgia – keep pace with, move past the Ohio States, the Clemsons, and the Alabamas. It's not the returning starters. It's not the guys that you know what you're getting from that probably matter here. It's the guys who are in even bigger roles this year than they were before, watching them outpace even the own, their own expectations here for this upcoming season. Georgia needs breakout seasons from emerging stars. And the great news about all of this is, is there's plenty of reason to think guys like Washington and Adam Anderson might be able to do that. In fact, let me let you hear some testimonials for a moment from guys who have seen the potential they bring to the table. I always think that JT Daniels, the Georgia quarterback, is certainly a very articulate speaker. Probably not even – he's never more articulate, though, than when he's talking about some of his teammates. Uh, Daniels really likes talking about his teammates, likes telling you what they bring to the table. And it was very interesting, if you want to go back to G-Day, some of the things that JT said about what he'd seen from Darnell Washington. So if the premise here today is Georgia needs breakout stars to be as good as it can be, and pro football focus suggests, hey, one of those breakout stars could be Darnell Washington, you're going to get no argument from from JT Daniels, here is what he said back in April. Yeah, you, you definitely do see a development in him. You know, last year, obviously, when you're coming from high school football to a real, you know, Coach Monk in NFL system in college, uh, there's a there's a shock that hits you right away. Um, you know, just because there's so much to it. Uh, you see it this year. Um, he gets a signal right away, and he knows what he's doing. He's not thinking twice about it compared to last year. You know, everyone that's new has a you know a lot of mental errors, and you know it's just, it's just new. Um, and in terms of his development physically, I think he's gotten a lot smoother um, in terms of getting in and out of breaks. Um, and he's always had good instinct, but it's gotten even better to me in terms of understanding where the ball is going to be thrown, uh, understanding where his grass is, uh, and really taking advantage of you know his size. What Daniel says there is why it's legitimate to discuss Darnell Washington as a potential breakout player in the SEC. And Washington's candidacy in that regard is very important for Georgia this year, given the fact that it's only 110th in the country in returning production for 2021. But wait, there's more. 
Also on the defensive side of the ball, Pro Football Focus mentions Adam Anderson. When on this show before, we've had a chance to talk to Aziz Ojolari, the great former Georgia edge rusher who put up big numbers for 2020. He sees plenty still left at Georgia to fill in the gap and the void that's left because of the fact that he's departed. He also mentioned Anderson by name on this show. But he had a discussion to be had about Nolan Smith there as well and others. This is Aziz Ojolari backing up what Pro Football Focus is also saying there as well. Yeah, I expect them to dominate definitely for sure next season coming up. I expect them to dominate. The the standard is there for them to set and go after it. And, you know, all the boys could play. So Rob definitely, I expect Rob to get out there, make big plays. Nolan Smith for sure. And I know Adam. Adam is on a different level. I believe Adam throw up some crazy numbers up there. With it. I believe Adam could get into double digits of sacks and Nolan too. So it should be a great, great time watching those boys. I can't wait to watch them play. So to quickly sum all this up, first of all, very strong words there from Aziz Ojolari. That Georgia, compared to some of the teams in the country, just simply doesn't bring back as much returning production for this upcoming season. However, there are plenty of candidates on both sides of the ball to really break out and fill the void left by guys who are no longer with the program. On offense, a guy like Darnell Washington, cited by Pro Football Focus, backed up, validated by the words of JT Daniels. On defense, not just Adam Anderson, as Pro Football Focus has proclaimed, but as, as Aziz Ojolari said on this show, Nolan Smith there as well. Double-digit sacks, potentially for both those guys. That's how, you, that's how you close the gap when you don't bring back as much of your returning production from a year ago. That's the story for Georgia this year. It's national championship hopes in so many ways hinging on how many of these hot prospects, how many of these emerging names truly can accomplish breakout seasons. If enough of them do, that could spell good news for the dogs by the end of the season. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Great to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref Podcast. Apple, Spotify, Google, some of you listen right there through SoundCloud. We post the show each and every day at the worldfamousdognation.com. Really happy to have you with us. And a big thanks to our friends at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort for making it all possible. Short two-hour drive from Atlanta gets you a wonderful getaway. So much fun, whether it's the original Harris Cherokee Casino Resort or Harris Cherokee Valley River. I'm talking about casino gaming, the real fun, real table games. So much fun there. But also it's like the gourmet dining, the delicious restaurant options that are available to you a luxurious shopping experience a world-class spa that's so relaxing so much fun to enjoy entertainment options coming back now to the harris cherokee casino resort properties and the sports book is open there as well so you're watching pro baseball or the uh, basketball finals or whatever else is going on right now you can actually get your action down you can place your bets there at harris cherokee casino resort the book is open at both the original harris cherokee casino resort and harris cherokee valley river so enjoy all of that Website to go to to find out more, Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. That's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. And you can find out everything that's happening there at Harris-Cherokee Casino Resort and Harris-Cherokee Valley River. It's Mike Griffith coming up in a couple of moments. We'll also go around the doghouse here in a moment there as well. Before we do any of that, though, let me take a brief moment to update you on Dog Nation Invasion to Charlotte. The response to this has been so overwhelming, so exciting for me to see how many of you are excited to be not just a part of this with Dog Nation, but just the season opener in general in Charlotte against Clemson. And I can tell you this, that 
We've had a long wait list for our tailgate-only tickets for Dog Nation Invasion. If you're on that wait list, stay where you are. I'm hopeful to be able to give you some good news on that really soon. I can also tell you this, that for the, and we knew this was going to happen, and we're on the verge of that happening, for our VIP tickets. This is a chance to ride the luxury motor coach that's fully stocked. We're going to be you know, enjoying some beverages on the way to Charlotte, uh, and then spending the night in Charlotte that night, obviously coming back to Atlanta that next day on that Sunday. Of course, the great uh, luxury tailgate experience, all a part of that there as well. The very few VIP tickets that we have left are about to be gone. So there is a very good chance that when I speak to you tomorrow on the show, I say there are no more VIP tickets left. So if you've been on the fence about this, uh, go to dognation.com, find out more details, and go ahead and book because I don't want you to be left out. And I'm pretty sure that by the time I speak to you tomorrow, there's going to be a big sold-out graphic on top of the Dog Nation Invasion graphic. So get involved with that while you still can. We are about to be sold out on that. Big thanks to our sponsors here there as well for making all of this you know, affordable and fun for us to enjoy the finished long drink. So excited about being a part of this with them. Merriweather and Tharp, uh, Bob and Ashley and the whole uh, gang there from Merriweather and Tharp going to be on the bus with us. Of course, uh, our friends from Kroger there as well. R.S. Andrews, you know, Dari is going to be a part of all this too. So it's going to be a good time. Finished long drink, Merriweather and Tharp, Kroger, R.S. Andrews, they are all making that possible. Now, let's do a quick version of Around the Doghouse before I talk to Mike Griffith because there is something that has kind of emerged on the internet over the course of the last couple of days I think it's pretty interesting. Our buddy Denny Thompson, who's a quarterback's coach down there in the Florida area and a personal tutor for uh, Carson Beck, has shared some interesting video of Beck as of late getting in a uh, good quarterback lesson in here and uh, some individual coaching and some individual work. And listen, I'm not a scout. I don't pretend to be, but you don't have to be a scout to see that Beck looks really uh, good. What is it that Denny says? Spinning it, the way they like to say? Yeah. I mean, he's really cranking up the uh, velo on that and looking really good looking really good doing so and it's a reminder that Beck to me is a very interesting name in this quarterback competition and that I'm, I'm talking about competition below JT Daniels Daniels is the obvious starter but below that to be the number two quarterback and eventually have maybe the inside track on being the potential starter for the 2022 season a guy like Brock Vandegrift, who comes in as a former five-star, eventual arrival of uh, Gunnar Stockton, a very impressive 2022 quarterback. But the one thing that Beck has in comparison to both those guys is Beck just has more experience. And if you want to go back to Kirby Smart here this past spring, the presence of a guy like Beck, who had a chance to go through a spring practice this year, having been on campus for Georgia for a year, having spring practice, by the way, taken away from him a year ago for all of these quarterbacks, the the, the difference in 2021 and, and from what it was in 2020, Smart has told us before that it was a stark difference. In fact, this is Smart on the subject of Beck and other quarterbacks from back during the spring. I mean, there's light years ahead of where they were. I mean, we didn't have this last year, so I can't even, like, answer that question because we didn't know anything last year. We didn't know who we were. We had no identity. We didn't even know who JT Daniels was right now. Um, and, and we're just uh, – we're, we're a lot different offensively. I mean, there's – they're doing things that they weren't doing until uh, maybe halfway through the season last year, and they're doing lots of them. So I think that's really interesting from Kirby Smart, and I think the experience that Beck has is both a very interesting you know, part of Georgia's arsenal here for this upcoming year. You like the idea of one of your quarterbacks having that year on campus, but also for him – 
in that competition. Let's face it, all these guys want to win. Vandegrift is going to use what he has at his disposal, and Beck's going to use what he has as, at his disposal. And one of the things that Beck does have going for him is the fact that he's been on campus for a year. He's also clearly working hard during the summer. And obviously, I think for Georgia fans, they simply are content to say, let the chips fall where they may. Let's let all the guys who are competing for not just playing time in 2021, but some sort of inside track for an advantage in 2022. Let's go out there and let's just see who uh, puts the best foot forward and let whatever happens, happens. But interesting to see Carson Beck getting some hard work in this summer, and at least according to my eyes, looking pretty good while doing so there in that video. All right, it is great to have you here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort today. I put out a call yesterday for our audience to help me enjoy something. There was the odd video of Dan Mullen surfing over the course of the 4th of July weekend. I said, Georgia fans, show me your magic, your skills. on uh, Photoshop and everything else. And Georgia fans did not disappoint. For those of you watching on video, we will tell you and show you more about this later on. Podcast, radio, you'll like this as well. We'll do that before we're done. But for now, let's get serious and cover everything going on around Georgia football. Let's talk for the first time in a while here to Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Glad to have all of you with us as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Mike has not been on this show in a couple of weeks, so he is no doubt raring to go. There's no telling what he'll have to say for us here today. Uh, Mike, I'll welcome you back, and I hope you enjoyed a wonderful vacation. This time of year, it's great to be able to get a chance to do that, and I'm sure you certainly enjoyed yourself on that. So let me just say uh, good morning to you. Welcome back to the program, and I hope that you're doing well. mindset because the first story I wrote coming back was Dan Mullen on that surfboard and and, and Feinbaum calling it you know calling him out saying you know hey this guy's got a show cause how's he the third highest paid coach in the league and and what does the Florida AD really think about Dan Mullen so I mean we're, we're getting to those media days we're starting to look around a little bit at maybe what some of these other schools are thinking and doing and you know, you look at Georgia and say, you know what, Georgia's looking pretty doggone good compared to some of these other programs right now. Well, let's cover all of that here for a moment. And since you brought up Georgia there at the end, let's start with that right there. Obviously, Georgia's going to be, when the official rankings come out, going to be one of the top three, top four, top five teams, whatever number it is. It's one of those numbers that puts you on the inside track of having a shot to compete for the college football playoff. But I, I did think it was interesting yesterday, though, and I mentioned this off the top of the program, that according to Bill Conley's metrics, his tabulation of data, Georgia just 110th right now in returning production from the previous year. And what I said was that puts even bigger spotlight on guys like Darnell Washington, guys like Adam Anderson, guys who've clearly shown you why they're prospects, now taking that next step towards being bona fide superstar-level players that Georgia, just like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, programs that also rank pretty low on the list of returning production, that's what it really kind of comes down to. Who gets the breakout performances from the emerging stars? And, you know, Georgia's got no shortage of guys on a list to potentially be able to do that. Yeah, I'd agree with you, B.A. And, you know, and those numbers, are they, they can be a good guideline. I like to look at those numbers. I like to look at numbers of teams that lost a lot of games, you know, close close scores. But you got to remember, I mean, J.T. Daniels only played four games. And, you know, you're not hurting that he's coming back and, the likely starter instead of, you know, someone else that might have played earlier in the year. Or, you know, you're, you're not hurt. You know, yeah, you hate losing Richard LeCount, but the fact is, is you know, Christopher Smith played half a year. So, you know, Georgia's got some guys that have played some meaningful 
snaps and some meaningful games uh, on account of those injuries. And uh, I think they got guys back at key positions as well, particularly on the defensive line with Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt. And I don't know if they're measuring tackles or snaps, but I, I think Georgia's sitting great. And, you know, you, you can't count uh, Darian Kendrick and Tyke Smith as returning talent. But I, I wonder how they counted those snaps because those are guys that you know that were very productive last year, and you plug them onto the field. So you know, I, I just don't think George is lacking really anywhere in the experience. You could say Jamari Sellier at left tackle, like you've said before. That that's your worst case scenario. That that left tackle spot's really the only one that I'm looking at with a real critical eye, wondering about right now for Georgia. Well, I think the thing that you probably do zero in on are probably a couple places, right? And I don't think this is a death knell for Georgia by any stretch, but. You know, even with the arrival of Kendrick and the arrival of Tyke Smith, there are still some questions left about your returning experience at the cornerback spot in particular. I mean, Georgia is still going to be a somewhat inexperienced secondary, even with two high-profile arrivals, you know, from the transfer portal. These are guys that haven't played together. And, you know, you're going to have, you know, another cornerback spot that's going to have a somewhat inexperienced player there as well. And then at the receiver spot, you know, especially with the way that injury factors into all of this, you know, this is, I would say, a year in which Georgia is more talented at the receiver position and has more potential options in terms of pass catchers if you want to bring guys like Washington into the discussion. Uh, you know, there, there's more of that than you're used to seeing around Georgia. But with injuries being a factor and everything else, there's still a little, you know, bit of unknown about that receiver position there as well. So I think if you want to use a number from a guy like Conley as a guide, it's probably those two spots where you end up zeroing in on. Sure, and that's fine. You know, I, I get it. You know, Jermaine Burton had one big breakout game, and how's he going to do over the course of the season? And, you know, Brock Bowers is just a name right now to people. I, I'm telling you, I keep hearing great things about this guy, B.A. Uh, and we know about Washington. We've seen what he could do, but I'm hearing Brock Bowers is going to be a game changer as well. And, you know, again, we, we I guess we don't count a Rick Gilbert as a returning guy because he was at LSU, but, boy, when he played last year, was he ever productive? But I, I agree. I'll tell you one reason why I'm not as, as worried, um, even though I've, I have said, you know, I do think the Alabama and LSU receiving cores of the last couple of years were historically good. I don't think anybody's going to be that good again for a while. I don't think you're going to see back-to-back receiving cores like that. Who knows? I could be wrong. But but I just have that much faith in JT Daniels. I, I just He's a guy that throws people open. Uh, he's a very accurate thrower a guy that's going to make the right read at the line of scrimmage. And, and I've got a lot of faith in, in Todd Munkin. I mean, the way this offense is drawn up, if everybody does what they're supposed to do and lines up right, there's going to be somebody open. I mean, that, that's the nature. There's some air raid principles in this offense. Again, it's not an air raid offense per se, but there's some air raid principles, which is guys running into space. And if you've got a quarterback that can kind of throw you open and, and you and him are on the same you know, wavelength as far as where that seems going to be, where that spot in the zone is going to be. Uh, I think JT's got some guys that can catch the ball consistently. And, you know, the receiver's ability to catch the football, uh, not get open, not be good matchups because they're athletic, but can they catch the ball consistently? Um, you know, that would probably be my second uh, on my worry list behind left tackle. Well, I do agree with you about the role that Todd Munkin plays in all of this. And this is obviously a, an optimistic appraisal for someone like me who wants to see Georgia do well. But you know, I do think you saw flashes from Munkin a year ago 
that he was designing an offense that has a lot more potential firepower than certainly what George would have had the previous year under James Coley in my mind. And, you know, I think it rivals the very best of what Jim Ch- you know, Chaney would have done in 2018 when George actually, uh, statistically speaking, was pretty good. I think Munkin's even better than that. And, you know, frankly, that's where George has got to explore an advantage because, you know, Alabama's bringing in a new offensive coordinator in, in Bill O'Brien. We don't even know yet if George and Alabama are going to play each other, but there's a very good chance that it happens in the SEC championship game. And the year over year, continuity of Georgia bringing back a Todd Munkin working with a quarterback in JT Daniels who you mentioned you know that's a guy that started some games for Georgia that's got to matter for UGA this year you know that's the one spot where there is or not I shouldn't say the one spot that is among the spots where there is some continuity for Georgia and they've just got to exploit that this season yeah you know look we saw it happen for Alabama with Mac Jones right yeah. Mac Jones had just some snaps although what he had a horrible game against Auburn you know, you're not perfect, right? He, you know, JT looked much better than Mac Jones did at the at, at the uh, end of his, of his penultimate year. Uh, I mean, JT is the leading. You realize from November, this is a stat that I've just I've written it enough that I just have it memorized when I write about. It's like part of the biography, right? We know he's from California, and we know that from the game that he played on November 21st forward, he's the highest rated returning passer in the country. I mean, you know, the guy had uh, 10 touchdowns and uh, you know only three interceptions and you know, the last, against four SEC, excuse me, three SEC teams, you know, he's, he's 64% on third down uh, conversion, which, you know, Alabama led the nation at 59%. So, you know, basically what we're, you know, and, and I kind of throw out the bowl game, and some people might say that's convenient for me to throw it out, B.A., but my goodness. I mean, there were three different guys starting in different offensive line places, and Jermaine Burton had missed some work on account of COVID protocol, and he was out of sync, and, and James Cook didn't play in that game, if you remember. I I just don't think, and, and, and Cincinnati was very good defense also. I don't want to take anything away from them. But you know, Georgia just didn't look like Georgia. I mean, they were just missing too many people. They didn't roll over and die like Florida did. Uh, you know, but, but they took it, it took a little while to get the engine warmed up. But I really, to your point, uh, agree with you on Munkin. Uh, and, and I think also partly, and, and uh, you know, let's not forget this, Kirby's no dummy. Look, when you've got two first-round offensive tackles and you've got a running back like DeAndre Swift, you're, you're going to feed him because DeAndre is special. He is a special running back. I mean, you know, you've you got guys like Gurley, Chubb, Michelle. You feed, you feed guys like that. That's special. If you can just pound a team and, and just run them into submission, you're going to do that. It's a safer play. It's less plays in the game. Now, you and I have both stepped back and said, you know what, that's fine, but when you're not winning by enough touchdowns, all of a sudden that doesn't seem like such a good strategy. One. Two, this thing called the transfer portal. If you want to keep these receivers around, you better give them some candy. You better feed them in the fourth quarter. You better get them some targets because they ain't sticking around to block and play special teams, man. So I think there's a couple of game-changing things that have happened. One is, number one, you don't have a back like Swift, although I do think Milton and, and McIntosh are, I do think there's upside in that backfield, whoever you pick. They're all good. I do think there's potential, but I don't see a Swift back there. He was really, really sep- separated himself and special. And I see, uh, and I do see an offensive coordinator with the scheme that, that I'm, I would agree with you is beyond anything Cheney or Coley was able to put out there, uh, passing-wise, even for a, a cerebral guy like Jake Fromm, who could also fly the jet from the line. So all things line up to make this a very explosive offense. Uh, with a head coach that, that's ready to air it out if, if needed and, and do what it takes to win a championship because that's 
that's where we're at with Georgia, Brandon. Yeah. You know, when I when I run into people out of state, and I ran into people when I was away, it's, you know, oh, yeah, you're covering Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when are they going to win a championship? They already know they're going to win the East. It's just, when are they going to win a championship? And the reason they ask is because Kirby's been beating Nick Saban at halftime every game he plays him, even last year with, with a backup quarterback in Tuscaloosa and Jalen Waddle healthy. The Georgia Bulldogs were beating Alabama on their home field. That, that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, but, so there's some good coaching going on, and if you get the breaks and keep everybody healthy, I, I really do believe this is the year. I want to ask about Carson back here in a moment. Before that, let me remind folks, I mentioned the Finnish Long Drink, one of our great sponsors for Dog Nation of Asia coming up. I tell you, I have had so much fun with all of you having fun with the Finnish Long Drink there as well. It was uh, uh, Seth Rhodes, one of our Golden Shoe winners for yesterday, and a lot of you lately have been sharing those photos of you enjoying the Finnish Long Drink because it goes great with summer, whether you're getting the Long Drink Cranberry or the original, which has the citrus flavor, the Long Drink Strong, the Long Drink Zero. This is just a really fun thing. Popular in Finland since the 1950s, in America for the last couple of years, and now available right here in the state of Georgia. If you go to thelongdrink.com, you can find out exactly where it is available. In fact, some of you have been saying there as well, hey, BA, for those of us who you know live, because some of you that watch the show live outside the state of Georgia there as well, if you go to thelongdrink.com, you can also find out where it is wherever you may be there as well. If you're you know across the country, across the world, really, check out thelongdrink.com. You can find out more about that. Delicious, super enjoyable. Uh, available at a bar near you or a beverage store near you, whatever else. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail right out of the can. It looks like a beer because it's in the can, but it's not a beer. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail. For those of you that enjoy the great flavor of a mixed drink, the strong liquor kick, you're going to love that from the finished long drink. So go to thelongdrink.com, and you can find out more uh, about that here today. Speaking of a uh, strong kick, obviously that's what Carson Beck has, uh, Mike, when he delivers the football. And there was a recent video, we showed this on the show a couple of minutes ago, of him working out with our buddy Denny Thompson, the uh, quarterback coach down there in the state of Florida. And Beck, to my eyes, looks pretty good doing that. And one of the things that I said to you, said before you joined us is, in this battle to both earn some playing time here for the season, but also set yourself up for success in 2022, the fact that Beck has been here for a year, the fact that Beck has learned now for a full 12 months plus under Todd Monk, and that, that is an interesting asset in his arsenal as he gets ready to you know, do battle, so to speak, with Brock Vandergriff this year, eventually Gunnar Stock when he arrives there as well. The fact that Beck has been here, been here for a year could be an advantage that he could use to his advantage, right? Oh, there's no question. You know, I think with his playbook and how expansive it is and the reads and the terminology, uh, there's no doubt it gives him an advantage over Brock Vandergriff. But, but Brock's really had a good offseason and, and really – I don't want to say caught up, but, but Vandegrift is, from all indications, is looking good, too. I mean, there's not a bad option. But the question is, you know, when, when do they overtake Stetson as the next guy up? You know, because Stetson is a guy who has experience. Uh, Stetson is a guy that the head coach trusts. And you just don't, you know, you don't want to play the what if. I mean, we all kind of in the back of our mind wonder, let's just say JT Daniels' chin strap breaks and, they can't find another one for two series, right? Sure. Who's the next guy that goes in? Uh, you know, I think right now it's it's probably Stetson coming out of the gate because of the game experience, because of the trust. But then again, <clears throat> you know, what if uh, you know if, if it's a longer term scenario? You know, then then what happens? I mean, there's just the, the good news is this: there's a lot of good quarterbacks on the team. Uh, but my question is: is, is how quickly um, does, does Carson? 
and, and it could be a moot point. I mean, if JT Daniels is doing great and, and George is flying along, then you won't see a whole lot of the backup quarterback, right? Um, but I do think Carson's come a long way. I thought he looked really good in the G-Day game. Uh, what Brock did, he did very well. And uh, the, the, the uh, info I'm getting is that he's picked up a lot more. Uh, listen, let's, let's just, you know, let's call the elf out in the room. These guys are both a lot more talented than, than Stetson Bennett. And Stetson's around this year as an emergency policy and, and really not, nothing else. Um, one of these next two, when did Carson or Brock's going to be the guy in 2022 if JT uh, does leave school after this year? And, and to your point, it's, it's a matter of which one. Carson looks great, but I'm, I'm not going to count out Brock Vandergriff because I'm hearing really good things about him too. All right, let, let me just say, Mike, it's been great to have you back on the show today. You mentioned a very interesting piece you had up dognation.com paul feinbaum what he said about dan mullen great interview from a couple of weeks ago i hope folks watch that video if they haven't seen it read the story there dognation.com we appreciate you being with us here today and we'll look forward to obviously chatting with you a whole bunch more in the weeks to come and of course reading uh, a lot from you back here at dognation.com there again as well thanks for being with us appreciate it let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through yeah very interesting stuff uh with uh mike and what Paul Feinbaum said about Dan Mullen, we'll get more into that a little bit. And also SEC Country Live later on this afternoon there as well, because obviously Mullen remains a fairly pivotal figure around the SEC. And as we said on the show a couple of days ago, also one of the reasons why, you know, if you really see the growth of the Georgia-Florida rivalry, you have to give uh, Mullen some credit for that. Uh, and we you know, put a call out to Georgia fans as far as getting involved with Dan Mullen. They did not disappoint. We'll do that coming up in just a moment. Before that, a, a couple other things there as well. Let me also remind you, my friends at Palo Window and Door of Georgia, energy efficient windows and doors. House looks better on the outside, feels better on the inside. No pressure consultation with the great Palo staff. Nationally known company, locally owned branch right here in Georgia. Get the best of all worlds when it comes to that. It's just a really good thing about Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Also great savings here as well. Currently offering 10% off your entire project, 0% APR for 24 months. Uh, so get involved with them today. It's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Or give them a call 678-638-1496. 678-638-1496. Make sure you tell them BA from Dog Nation Daily so they take good care of you because I know that they will. All right, a couple of uh, name, image, likeness stories that are out there. And yesterday, in a lot of ways, was kind of the start of what felt like slightly bigger news related to the name, image, likeness stuff. For the most part, NIL to this point has been a little bit of a nothing burger, right? It's like there's been a lot of announcements, a lot of small regional-based you know, companies with what you have to assume just in the you know, the assumed size of their marketing budgets, relatively small deals for certain players. There hasn't been a lot of real headline-grabbing news related to any of this. There was the thing that came out of Miami yesterday where a business owner down there, a guy who has, like, I guess they're like MMA training gyms, basically, but he's made a pledge to Miami that he's going to pay the players, what does it work out to, about $500 a month. Ultimately, they have a chance of making about $6,000 a year. That seems like a big deal. It's certainly a big deal for him. If he makes good on his pledge, he'll eventually pay more than, I think it's about $540,000 that he'll eventually have to pay to the Miami players for doing that. So from a marketing standpoint, that's a fairly significant agreement on his part to these Miami players. We'll see if he makes good on his pledge to do that. For the players themselves, though, $6,000 is about what they would have already gotten from the Pell Grant anyway. I mean, that kind of folding money, the average college football player, at least many of college football players, kind of already had to begin with. So 
this generates a lot of headlines. It seems like a pretty big deal, but it's actually not all that far removed from kind of what already exists for a lot of college football players as it is. But certainly for the guy who did this down in Miami with his gym, he's trying to do even more than that. We'll see how successful that ends up being. But but clearly, that was his push yesterday, and it got a lot of attention uh, with this guy looking to, uh, to help Miami players cash in on some of their fame as players. The other thing that came out yesterday was Kayvon Thibodeau, the uh, very impressive Oregon player who stands to be one of the top players in the upcoming NFL draft, announcing an agreement with what he said was Nike's Phil Knight and an artist that Nike has used to help you know design some Jordan shoes and some things like that. He's selling what's known as an NFT, which for those of you that don't maybe follow that segment of the, of the collectible space stands for a non-fungible token. It's essentially a, almost like a digital version of a football card, for lack of a better way of explaining that. He's selling it for some kind of uh, 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 you know a Bitcoin type type thing, uh, a cryptocurrency type thing. So the whole thing feels very new and very you know, kind of of the moment. But for a lot of people, this was like, oh, and look at this. Nike's getting involved in the uh, in the Oregon situation with Thibodeau here. Even though Thibodeau mentions Phil Knight on Twitter, it, it's not all that obvious or, or apparent what Nike's actual role in creating this artwork that Thibodeau's going to try to sell is. And so, you know, once again, this kind of feels like, a, I think, a lesser story than maybe some people probably assume that it would. But with Thibodeau from Oregon and the situation there at uh, Miami, we saw bigger NIL style headlines than we'd seen in the past. We got some of that uh, yesterday. So we'll continue to follow this and kind of see where it goes. I know for a fact there's some interesting stuff on the horizon here, but we'll just kind of see how quickly some of this kind of pops up and where it all heads after that. I want to mention this there as well that over the course of the 4th of July weekend, we saw video footage of Dan Mullen surfing. Now, I'd have to say this is not quite as cool by Mullen. Did you see the Mark Zuckerberg thing, the uh, Facebook founder who was surfing with the American flag? I have to say, even though I'm not the world's biggest Facebook fan these days, uh, that was uh, actually a pretty cool image by uh, Zuckerberg. But here's Mullen trying to be cool there as well, trying to just give you a little bit of a spin there at the end. Almost falls off the surfboard, but uh, stays on there. So Mullen is surfing, and he says getting some summer surfing in on Twitter. What I called out for Georgia fans to do is to use all your skills, all your talents. Show me your Photoshop abilities, and we will uh, <laughs> we'll see some folks kind of superimposing the shark, chasing down Mullen. We had a couple fun ones of those. Uh, Mad Dog reached out to us to say, the moment you realize your surfing skills are irrelevant, you see the Georgia G shark fin, dorsal fin, chasing after Mullen there. That's certainly golden shoe worthy. Also, our buddy Ben Green, who's always really funny with this. And this one, to me, is so well done and so funny. So here's Mullen surfing. You see what appears to be the shark from Jaws with Kirby Smart riding the shark. This is a, no, talk about a non-fungible token. That's an NFT right there. What Ben Green provides for you. Uh, that is really good stuff all the way around. So we'll give out a couple of golden shoes today to our buddy Mad Dog. Very good. And our buddy Ben Green there as well with Kirby Smart riding the shark going Dan Mullen. For those of you who've ever seen like Jaws 3 where the shark is chasing the water skiers, for some reason that kind of reminded me of all of that. So very good job for everybody when it comes to that kind of stuff. And of course, we'll talk more about all of this and kind of the preseason SEC chatter later on this afternoon on SEC Country Live. Hope you will join us for that because I think that's going to be a ton of fun. Can't wait to, to be a part of that with you. 3 p.m. Eastern Time. It's every Wednesday on the SEC Country Facebook, the SEC Country Live YouTube pages. So please make sure you check that out. And we'll look forward to being a part of that with you. Also, speaking of those lousy stinking gators, there's no rivalry that matters more to a Georgia fan, we believe, around here 
You also think 115 days from right now, Georgia goes back to Jacksonville, gets a win over those Gators. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. Of course, we really appreciate R.S. Andrews making all of this possible. The one you turn to for your air conditioning, your heating, your plumbing, and your electric needs. So there's a couple different ways for you to get in touch and comment with us. You can send me a message on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily, and I certainly appreciate when you do that. You can also hit me up in the comment section when I post the show at dognation.com there as well. I want to read a couple of comments here today. Rambo writes in on the subject of Kojo Antwi choosing Ohio State over Georgia and says that if a recruit lives in the Atlanta area, there's a good chance their blood or their parents' blood does not bleed red and black. He says, if you go outside 285, which is the highway that makes a perimeter around the Atlanta area, I have more confidence they're actually going to head to Athens. And I kind of find that to be true there as well. And oftentimes I've kind of wondered, is that anecdotally true or does it just seem, you know, or is it actually as true as sometimes it seems like it is? And as someone who lives in the Atlanta area, I mean, I can tell you that that sometimes that Georgia thing isn't quite as big here as it is when you drive even just a few miles out of town, not necessarily even driving towards Athens, but just driving kind of away from the Atlanta area where the population may be slightly less transient, slightly less you know, mobile, moving from place to place, growing up somewhere else, and that Georgia G kind of means a little bit more. I think you do see a little more of, of that, you know, in the Atlanta area where, you know, somebody might be from wherever else. Or, and here's what I think really matters. Sometimes maybe the player is from Georgia, but the people that he's most, you know, commonly around as he's growing up, maybe they're not Georgia Bulldogs. You know, the other thing that you have is, a lot of moving amongst high school coaches. You know, the state of Georgia pays its high school coaches pretty well, and I think that it should. But because it does pay those coaches so well, that you have coaches that move in from all, all, all kinds of places. And this goes beyond just anything that may have been true with Coach Joanne Twee. But it is really interesting how the Atlanta area, and we see this in so many different walks of life, but the Atlanta area, that area, as uh, Rambo mentioned, kind of around 285, inside 285, just operates different than much of the rest of the sport does. And sometimes I think you that shows up there in Georgia recruiting there also. So, you know, for Georgia, it gets its fair share of those, but it does not probably have the same kind of home court advantage in that recruitment as, as you know, maybe some folks maybe outside this area may assume that it does. An interesting point. Dep Dog also weighs in on the subject of wide receiver production and, you know, kind of who's doing what for Georgia and how Georgia demonstrates all of that. He says uh, a bit of a comment and perspective on the pass versus run debate, you know, going back to something we kind of mentioned in the show yesterday. He says the notion that running backs, for example, want to run the ball every play is nuts. On the other hand, the idea that receivers don't appreciate linebackers creeping in to stop the run, he says that's hornswoggle there as well. He says both if they're smart appreciate each other, and I think that uh, Depp's obviously right about that. He goes on to say, and the use of the tight end on the offense, ask Tom Brady and the Patriots. Uh, tight ends can block, but they can release off and uh, and you know catch the ball there too. And he says running backs can also swing out of the backfield there as well. He says offenses are better when they all work, all that works together. He says meet Todd Munkin. I do think that's true there as well. That's one of the things that Munkin is kind of thought to be good at, utilizing all those kinds of weapons in kind of creative ways. He says, and this is an interesting point, he says, but here's the difference. Wide receivers are not going to be targeted 34 times a game the way that maybe Herschel Walker would in the past. And he says, so when receivers do get the ball thrown to them, they can't drop the ball. And look, here is where I think the modern passing game is. Obviously, it's nice to be efficient and catch everything that's thrown to you. And, you know, some receivers are going to be really good at doing that. 
But I also think of the receiver position being a little bit like a baseball player there as well. You know, a baseball player is thought to be very good if he gets a hit three times out of ten. You know, you can fail 70% of the time and still be very good if you succeed three of those times. And I think that the receiver position can kind of be the same thing. Once again, you do want, I guess, certain receivers to be, you know, efficient possession style receivers who catch every ball that's thrown to them and you move the ball down the field that way. But there's also this huge opportunity for some receivers to be the kind of home run guy, right? Low percentage passes, passes that uh, if you hit one time out of four, then the offense is really moving because there are two components to a successful offense. There is efficient offense. We all know what inefficient offenses look like, the kind that get bogged down and don't convert third downs. Um, but there's also something to be said for avoiding third down. That's what explosive plays can do for you there as well. And anybody who kind of tabulates stats and crunches data in the college football space for a living will tell you that both are equally important. You can't be explosive without being efficient because you don't get enough chances. But you can't be efficient without that measure of explosiveness because ultimately even efficient offenses can kind of bog down if you give the neat defenses enough chances to stop you if you want to know why the sport has veered so much in the direction of offense and why now that that has happened it's very difficult to put the toothpaste back in the tube if you want to understand why this is true look no further than this discussion here this is what coaches have discovered that you can make up for all kinds of shortfalls all kinds of even in some cases, talent disadvantages. We especially see this west of the Mississippi, Big 12 country, Pac-12 country, things like that. You can make up a lot of ground if your offense can be explosive enough because, as I've said before, this is the fundamental unfairness of football. If I'm the defense, you're the offense, I can stop you three times out of every four. That's a 75% win percentage or, or success rate, however you want to describe that. But if on that fourth time that I don't stop you, if you get an explosive play, even though I've stopped you the other three plays, one time out of four producing a 20-plus yard explosive play, whether it be run pass, in this theoretical game that we're playing, you're moving the ball down the field and you're scoring at will. And that's where football, the balance in favor of offense against the defense, that is where that balance imbalance exists. It's the value of explosive plays, the fact that once the coaches discovered that, that a lot of ills could be covered up if you could just find a way to be explosive enough, that's when the game changed forever. And for Georgia this year, it's kind of the same thing. And these close games, these tough battles against Clemson or whoever you might play in the SEC championship to a certain degree, even Florida, at the end of October, in games against good teams, finding your share of explosive plays goes a long way towards determining how successful you're truly going to be. Very interesting comment from Dep Dog and from Rambo and everybody else who weighed in today. And, of course, we welcome your comments tomorrow on that there as well. So go to dognation.com, and there's a comment section at the bottom of the page when I post the show. Uh, please share that uh, your thoughts there, or just hit me up on Twitter at dognationdaily. I will gladly read them during this portion of our broadcast, our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. I'll also invite you to check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs for that tired AC unit that may not make its way to the summer that's still on its way. R.S. Andrews can get you fixed up good on that, and it only costs $99. So check them out today online at rsandrews.com. You'll have a great day. See you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. We will look forward to talking to you then.